I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. Hello listeners and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinomo Bitan and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart, peer-reviewed and published social science papers and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the listener and now viewers as well, what's up YouTube, do not have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Why are we right? going to talk about this? <laughs> It's a bit heavy. Well, the one at the beginning, it's funny. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but there was this fellow named Stuart Smiley and he was on Saturday Night Live. And um, what I just said there at the beginning is called a self-affirmation. And what he would talk about are these gentle thoughts that could just improve your day. And it was like a California granola, crunchy kind of thing. And um, today's exciting episode is about mostly self-affirmation but it ain't no joke <laughs> it really ain't this is no giggles this is this is i tell you what right when we get heavy we get real heavy because when know. we get heavy it is a matter of life and death so the uh, the title of today's paper is does self-affirmation cognition processing or discovery of meaning explain cancer related health benefits of expressive writing, and we once again use the uh, the C word, uh, which um, which is cancer today, um, and, and it's not not COVID, which has been the the C word for quite mm-hmm. some time. So we're going to do some shout outs to the authors: David Cresswell, Suman Lam, Annette Stanton, Shelley Taylor, and Julian Bauer. Bauer, Bauer, Bauer. I, I always get like the Bauer, my good Bauer friend David Sherman as well. He's down oh, there snap. as well. Oh, oh, so, yeah. You know what? Didn't copy and paste them all. So oh, <laughs> what's up? What's up, Mr. Sherman? <laughs> oh, well, these people, yeah, David Sherman in particular, um, is somebody that I have read a load of his research on this concept of self-affirmation. And while a lot of people, especially when they would watch that, that skit, thought it was kind of a joke, there's something about focusing on our strengths and focusing on what we're able to accomplish in the world and what, what we value and we're writing about it. And again, we're going to talk about this whole episode, but I just need to say it blows me away how powerful this stuff is. So like just to lay it out there at a really, really top level. And then I'm going to kind of hand it over to you to take us where we need to go. (laughs) I just wanted to say that I am kind of astounded by the notion that if you tell people, randomly assigned that have breast cancer, we want you to write, we'll talk about the methodology, but write about four different times for like 20 minutes about your values, what matters to you and your strengths. And then they do that. And then three months later, they're less likely to have breast cancer problems. Like that is, it's almost like gibberish. You almost can't imagine that that's possible. And yet there are study after study after study after study showing there are these enormous health benefits of expressing things about yourself. And what this paper seems to do is unpack why. Why does writing about yourself and your emotions and so on, why does that matter? So what would you say totally. about that? Yeah, in addition to that, I would add that 
this study is especially focused on the the positive. So when we talk about self-affirmation, like uh, with the intro there, it's like I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, I'm fast enough, whatever it is. Like this self-affirmation is not just mm. describing who you are as a person, but it's actually getting into the things about yourself that you you like, I suppose, and that you know that you're that you're proud of. And it's not about beating yourself down, but it's about picking yourself up. So just to kind of like, I'm going to lift the quote from the actual the study itself because this is going to like really take us into the the methods and then dan and i are going to break down three key elements of this as well whilst also trying to relate them to current events because we think we got some game right now and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna try and knock this one out the park so the quote from the authors reads <laughs> set a high bar this is my self-affirmation right we gonna good work park. good work i'm with you <laughs> i'm just following i'm trying to look for your dust and follow in that direction <laughs> So the, the quote reads, expressive writing studies show that writing about one's positive experiences or a best possible future self produce improvements in health and well-being. And as Dan said, this is kind of mystic, man. Like, so with this podcast, what we, we love to do is find papers that have a, a bit of a counterintuitive element to it in the sense that we think we behave one way, but, you know, the research suggests another. We think we think one way research suggests another. But we also like to pull out studies that kind of have a bit of magic in them where even reading this one, the researchers, there's still a lot of research where many social scientists, psychologists, people scratching their heads still over what exactly is going on here where an act that you do that requires some mental focus and some positive thinking, how is it that this is now able to have physiological and physical benefits to human beings and just off the top right let me just get a little bit zany i believe that what i believe that we need to accept that we we need to accept the importance of our mind our body and our spirit and i feel like you know science has a lot of answers but i feel like you know on the spiritual side science doesn't really delve into that space Science delves in the mind in terms of like psychology and sociology, the body in terms of like, you know, whatever it is that doctors do. But when it comes to the spirit, I think this might be why there's some like in quote marks magic in science, because Mm -hmm. that stuff is difficult to measure, observe loads of skepticism about it. Like, you know, it's like kind of like unknown knowns or unknown unknowns, but Man, if you want to take like just a bit of a leap of faith, and I'm not pushing anyone in any direction towards spirituality or religion or anything like that, but goodness me. Okay, so, DC. Something's happening. <laughs> right? Exactly. Something's happening. Here. Well, like, exactly. okay, so do you remember? I think it was about four months ago. One of our episodes was like, you have people write about job loss and like kind of like how they're going to overcome that. And then those people were statistically significantly less depressed and sort of down and statistically more likely to get reemployed. That was a pretty cool study. What this one does is really takes it a couple steps forward. And I actually have a list here where there's two decades of evidence on this now. So there's this huge literature where basically expressive writing, the kind of stuff we're going to talk about here, where you just write about your values and so on and and your strengths. It improves physical health in terms of like pain, fatigue, um, viral load with like HIV infected adults, Mm. lower evaluations of pain intensity. If you have like chronic pain, 
It improves health uh, in breast cancer patients, mental and physical health in college students. And like they just go through this lineup. And by the time you're done with that, I mean, number one, you're kind of convinced because these like different researchers at different universities looking at different types of, me- of health, mental and physical health. So you're kind of bowled over by the evidence. But then it also does this thing that Akin just said, which is like, why and how can this be happening? It's almost like magic or thing. It's like what we call things we don't understand. <laughs> right? In that right? sense, this is kind of magic because it has these enormous effects. And what I'm kind of you know thrilled about with this study, what I think is so cool is they did their best to start unpacking that. And so I'm yes. going to push us toward the actual like Let's study do it. a little Let's bit. Let's do it. Well, yep. Because what they did is clever and a little unusual. They went back to a study that had already proved this relationship where they randomly assigned people these different conditions of writing. And then just at the top level, they replicated that effect using the same data. But then all those people wrote all that stuff. And what they did is they coded it. So in study one, they looked at were they in the sort of condition writing about values or were they writing about another thing? That's one thing. And then did their heart sort of, I don't know what it was exactly. We'll have to kind I think of it was like their heart rate or so- something to do with like the, the heart. <laughs> yeah, but like, we're going to look at their heart we'll before, look at the heart stuff. And then we'll and look then, at the heart after. <laughs> and then three months later, yeah, there was a before heart thing and an after heart thing. Um, and then what happened is at the end of the three months, they sort of learned all this stuff about like, how are you feeling basically? How many doctor's visits do you have? And how's your, um, how are your symptoms going and stuff? And then they took that data, replicated it and sort of unpacked why. And I think that's the, that's the powerful part of this study. Um, do you want to go into those or shall we go into those different conditions? Because they actually had people writing about different types of things they randomly yeah yeah i yeah let's 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 kind of like let's get a bit kind of like gritty let's get our hands dirty dan so so off the top so this was 63 early stage uh female breast cancer patients so we're talking about stage one and two if you if you know kind of like much about cancer but to the best of my knowledge the the highest stage is stage four um, and I believe you, you had stage four cancer. I right couldn't now. believe it. Yeah. I couldn't believe when a doctor told me that, but that was, um, it's what they said. And I mean, the, the worst thing about stage four is there aren't any more stages. And so yep. when you're told that it's, it's, it's almost like get your affairs in order time. I mean, it was really, really traumatic. So these are stages one and two and stage one can be like, you're kind of getting it before it even became a problem you know if you get it early enough so yeah so this is like heavy science like this isn't like kind of like you know let's get some college students in a lab and we'll like do some kind of like mind tricks with them which dan and i love covering on this podcast (laughs) let's get weird with college students but this one so this is so this is like 60 63 they ended up with 60 in total but this was like 60 total like female cancer breast breast patient cancer oh my god okay so anyway the the, the all, age all the was words the are ages. right they're just the order words just <laughs> <laughs> so the age range was between 21 and 76 and i mentioned that there was 63 originally and it dropped down to about 60 and this was due to so this is how heavy this research is so a couple of people had to drop out due to their their cancer recurrence so like i believe yeah. like things kind of got a bit 
bit heavier for them. And they said that one person just wasn't interested. And from what I've kind of like seen about, I believe like chemo and different cancer therapies, um, especially like watching several episodes of Breaking Bad, a lot of that therapy can just leave you just not being interested yeah. in yeah. anything from, yeah. this is just my observation through pop yeah. TV. Yeah. So, so yeah. the procedure itself was to get all of these participants to, to write four essays about their, their breast cancer experience. And this was over like a three week period. And to the best of my knowledge, Dan, you might want to correct me here, but it says that they wrote four essays. But I th- oh, this was four essays over a three week period. But that's then it. they did that's this like month. Was it that they did this monthly? Uh, no, I think that they literally just wrote the four essays over this three week period. I mean, maybe we'll un- um, dig into this, but that's there are four writing sessions for sure, because that's yep. what ended up getting coding. And they were said to they were told to write continuously for 20 minutes. And yep. like, it is worth pointing out that that's not nothing. You know, while on the one hand, if it helps your cure rate and your pain and all that more than, you know, like if somebody told you go for a walk and it'll make you better, you would. But to sit there for 20 minutes, you do have to commit to it a little bit. You know, it's almost like journaling. Um, And then what they did is there were three different things that they could write about and they were randomly assigned these three different things. So some people were randomly assigned to a condition where they wrote for 20 minutes, four times about their deepest thoughts and feelings regarding their experience with breast cancer. So that one's called emotional expression. Second one is uh, some people were randomly assigned to a different condition where they were also writing for 20 minutes, but they were writing about positive thoughts and feelings regarding your experience with breast cancer. So what's interesting here is this is about like strange, maybe sounds strange to say it out loud, but what are the benefits that you experienced through this? And that sounds crazy, but I and many people actually have like a, a sort of a post-traumatic growth. And it's no going to be my, yeah. sorry, Dad. Yeah. This was going to be my question because yeah. you know, what, and I believe this is what you were kind of like leading into, but during, the, during your, your bout uh, with cancer, like, I guess looking back on it now and maybe how you felt at the time, what were the positives? Like, were there positives that you were able to, to, to find? And if so, like, what were they? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really tricky and it's important for me to say that, if you don't have positive benefits from cancer, you're not really supposed to. I mean, you know, like it's not as though, it's not as though like go get you some cancer because the outcomes while risky. <laughs> I don't, I don't want anybody to think that, but you know, sometimes, of, uh, I know exactly. This, uh, <laughs> but sometimes what happens is you come out the other side of any kind of trauma. I mean, yep. losing a spouse, losing a child, there's a lot of things that are traumatic and you come out the other side, but then you actually sometimes like appreciate life more. So like one of the things that happened to me is it came out the other side feeling like every day was kind of a gift and looking for the beauty. I would say even now that's 16 years ago for me now, I think I would say I still am much more keenly focused on the beauty. And I think a lot of things roll off your back little differently because like while you might have been all caught up in like you know getting a certain thing published or you know making sure you got your classes done on time as a professor you know you're all caught up and it's like oh my okay I almost died so like yeah that's a thing but like I'm not going to stress about that (laughs) and that 
there's all kinds of things like that, I guess, that can come out of many, many people that are listening might have had these kind of traumatic experiences. When you pop out the other side, you actually find you're savoring life more. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's talk about what they were, what, like, what were they looking for? Like, so they're, well, they're doing one this last thing though. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Go for it. Go for it. Well, there was a third group of people and this is super important. Uh, they, were, yes. they were put in a fact writing condition where they literally were just told to write for 20 minutes about their cancer and its treatment. And so like, that wasn't like how you felt. It wasn't about like what changed in your, in your, sorry, in your, yourself. It was more like, here's what happened. Here's the drugs I was given. Here's how often I did it. So it was very fact writing. And that's really important because uh, it could be that just writing does it. <laughs> you know, like just using your brain to yes. write. And yeah. what this allowed them to do is like rule that out by treating it as a control. And so then they measured totally. heart rate continuously during all the writing sessions. They hooked people up. And um, then they also measured other stuff. Like they measured um, satisfaction with life. They measured mood each week. They looked at cancer-related doctor visits. So, like, they gathered all this different data. And um, I don't know, you know, what, what do we want to say? Like, the first paper that was published, they looked at the 60 people times four essays. So that's 240 essays. And then they had those content analyzed. And yes. Yeah, that's really important. I don't know if, like, that is something that you know a thing or two about or – but we have done some – I think we've done a couple of studies where they do content analysis, haven't we? Let's say yes, because in order for the <laughs> listeners to challenge us, they're going to have to go back and listen to yeah. every single episode of Squeezing Good. the Orange to prove us wrong. So yes, we did it, and it was dope. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we applaud you for going back. We really do. <laughs> so basically what happens is if you have all this stuff written down, you have all these people that wrote all these like stories and all these little um, uh, anecdotes and so on, then you get these trained coders to look for these three different domains. And so like – like self-affirmation, we can go through this, is um, an example would be if somebody wrote like, I've always had a good positive attitude about all things and that has helped me during this time. And so that's a valued self-domain, which is like positive attitude and it's a positive reflection on that valued self-domain. Like another one, somebody said, I did pray more than I've ever had. I've always found that to be one of my strengths. And so like that religion, spirituality, like that, that isn't one of my strengths, but like for them, that was something that they wrote about. Um, and so people would put those people that are blind to the study, they didn't know what condition, they were just coders. They would go through and they would put people in one of these three conditions. One was self-affirmation like that one. Another one was cognitive processing. And so yeah, are, Dan, if you could, go ahead. sorry, Dan, yeah, if you could say a bit about cognitive processing as well, because um, I guess the hope here is that, you know, as people are listening in, these are, we're, we're talking about people with, with breast cancer, but it's very important just uh, for, for listeners, just to understand that this is, this magic, uh, if, I, if I keep using the, mm -hmm. uh, the M word there, this is not exclusive to the individuals in these conditions. So the, the whole purpose of this episode, listeners, uh, <laughs> you can do whatever you want with your life. That's cool. <laughs> but like what we're kind of hoping here is we drop in some gems so that in your lives, <laughs> you can apply some of this stuff and just enjoy your life more, yeah, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, so Dan, like, if you want to, like... Uh, Absolutely. And what's so cool about lead. what I can just said, and, you know, to kind of, like, say specifically, if you started journaling and just writing down things about your life and what you're feeling, especially when things get traumatic, and that can be positive or negative, like, you know, it's traumatizing to have a baby or fall in love, 
and it's traumatizing to have cancer or sort of lose a spouse. I mean, weird stuff happens in this world of ours. Anyway, the evidence would be that um, it's really likely that if you focus that on positive reflections about your valued self-domains, that would help you. That would actually help you cope and deal with that better. They also, in this study, though, looked at cognitive processing. And what that is, is this is the process of actively thinking about the positive aspects of this trauma, in this case, cancer. So like, this would be people saying things like, I feel I can look forward to a long life because I was really fortunate to have detected mine early. So even though that's shitty that I got cancer, and you could say, like, why me? Another way to process that is to say, luckily, I was detected at stage one or two and not four. Luckily, uh, I was born at a time when we have chemotherapy instead of just like, you know, carted out back. You know what I mean? Yeah. um, uh, there's a third one. There's a third. And just before, these, just before the ahead. third as well, mm-hmm. if you can hold on to that as well, because sure. I feel like this, this second one is, is super important, especially considering the, the current state of the world with this pandemic. And from my personal observation, uh, in, within my, my circles, personally, professionally, you know, friends, family, it seems to be the individuals that have been able to put a, a positive spin. And I don't mean spin as in like, you know, what the politicians do, but like pretty much what Dan describes, like to be in the experience and in the throes of a pandemic and then say, okay, then, well, maybe this has given me more headspace. Maybe this has given me more time to exercise. Maybe this is giving me, you know, like an, an opportunity to, to slow down. Maybe when I'm, you know, not commuting to work every day, I'm, you know, I'm sleeping more. And it's the individuals who are aware of the threat, but seem to be focused on the, the opportunities, should I say, yep. from what I've observed, they seem to be happier. They seem, they seem healthier mentally and, and physically as well. And it's my assumption slash prediction, and we can kind of use the science here to back this up, that, you know, give it, give it a few more months. Like, you know, we're going to, we're, we're, we've just started summer now. I imagine this kind of resolve is going to come in very handy in yeah. autumn and in winter when it's colder and the days are shorter and the people who have really exercised that ability to, to find the positives. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that, you know, these individuals are mm-hmm. on, on, you know, if we're just kind of looking at like uh, on average, on average, I feel like they're going to really come out of this a lot stronger. So yeah. I just wanted to like, kind of like yeah. throw that in as well. It's also, thank you for saying that Akin. Um, it's really interesting to think about a study. We're not going to be able to do it right now of whether thinking about it, which obviously is important because that, that that's how you construct your world. How you can see your world is like what your world becomes, but also in this study, writing about it. Mm. You know, I, I don't know if you even, I'm a person that does do quite a bit of journaling. You know, I try to almost do something every day um, where I'm just writing about things I've experienced and things I love and, you know, kind of looking for things I'm grateful for and all this. And it's an interesting study, this very one that we're doing, because they randomly assign people not just to think about it, but also to write about it, which is, in this case, what gave the data the chance to come to the surface. They were able to go back, get that old study, find what people actually wrote. But I could envision another study where you just had people contemplate it, kind of practice contemplation. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's a great point as well, because I guess you know, from the conversations you and I have had, Dan, during this time, we've both been, you know, 
let's just say upbeat, positive. Mm -hmm. And we, we sit on both sides. We've had conversations where we sit on both sides of the coin where you do a lot of thinking, but you also write a lot as well. And I would do a lot of thinking, but I don't write as much. Um, but it sounds like we've both, you know, to kind of like blow our own, our own horn a little. It sounds like we've actually, we've <laughs> actually spent time. Yeah. To, to yeah. pat ourselves on the yeah. back. Um, well, you know, what's funny. Up, go for I it. find it pretty funny. Actually, part of why I think I do a lot of that stuff is because I read these studies. <laughs> and if you <laughs> yes. have an evidence-based saying, listen, you invest this little bit of time, your life's going to be better. I kind of see that as almost like, here's this pill. If you take this little pill, your life's going to be better. It's free doesn't take that much time it's legal yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean so yep. anyway let's get back to this study because yep. here so we yeah, are uh, yeah um, yeah what's the, the third one then the third one um what you want you want to take that one you're do you know uh it's this discovery of meaning so yeah you this, know what like oh sorry yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll i'm gonna chop i'm gonna chop up this third one and i'm yep. gonna take like a bit of a different approach to it so this idea of discovering meaning what they were also able to do with this study was with the coders that they had looking at kind of like what individuals were referencing in their writings they were able to generate a bit of like a league table in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, what means most exactly. of people essentially. So yeah. I'm, I'm just going to kind of like bounce off of, you know, like, you know, maybe yeah. like the top three and we can yeah. kind of have like a little play around with these. But this idea of discovery of meaning is it's the ability to, hmm, it's, it's the ability to kind of shift the way that you think about yourself and the world and and even like the universe if we get in like real mystic so the the top thing that people were able to to i guess the top thing that they referenced was that the discovery of meaning we can look at it, what it produces actually if we look at what it produces the discovery of meaning produces new slash enhanced life goals which makes total sense because when you now when you shift the focus of what your life means your your objectives kind of should change with that as well so it brings about this birth of new life goals so someone who is who has been diagnosed with you know stage one or stage two cancer for example and we did the study Dan, with the uh, laura castigan about like you know when you're when you become aware that death is knocking on your door like it, it changes your um your priorities, for example. So someone who is diagnosed with cancer, they might start thinking to themselves, well, actually, maybe like the meaning of life is to, to spend more time with my loved ones. Maybe the meaning of time is to, is to seek some sort of like, I don't know, spiritual enlightenment or to, to create some kind of like fine art. But this idea of having meaning injected into your life in a, in a traumatic way, let's say, can shift uh, and, and create like new and enhanced life goals. Uh, the next one was that it has, it seems to have this ability to, to promote greater mindfulness, awareness of the present moment. And I'll link this a bit to the current situation with the pandemic, because this is one of the things that the pandemic has, has done for me, where it's kind of like melted time. Like I mm. don't really see, you know, morning, afternoon, evening, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, it's kind of like, you know, I can't remember if something happened like yesterday or like a week ago. Um, you know, I can't tell the difference between a minute and an hour. And it's really kind of like blended this thing. And what I believe that is happening is that because the meaning of my life now is is shifting because of the current state of things, what it's done is it's putting me in a state of increased and heightened presence where I'm always feeling this kind of like mortality saliency. I'm always feeling like, wow, every moment 
does indeed matter and does indeed count. And it's intensifying this life experience of mine. And, and these are all things, by the way, this is like promoting, this is like the things that kind of like promote, you know, the, the wellness and the well-being. And just to do um, another one as well, which we've kind of like danced and played with a little here, but this idea of having like a new enhanced kind of like spirituality or faith, like in the sense of, you know, there's individuals who, who may have been like religious all of their life and then they get diagnosed with cancer and they're like, well, there must not be no God because how could he do this to me? And they start really or rethinking she. things. Or she, or she, uh, <laughs> it'll be, <laughs> you know what? I had a joke that I'm hitting the brakes on hard, but <laughs> however, <laughs> however, but it's, um, but yeah, this, this increased kind of, and you know, you get individuals who had like, you know, no faith whatsoever. And then they have an experience that it, what it, what it has the potential to do is really, really like crack open the lens from which you're kind of like observing life and give you like new dynamics and not dynamics, but new dimensions from which to kind of like observe and consider this life experience. I'll I'll throw back to you, Dan. Yeah. Well, I think what's so cool about this study is they took what people wrote. They had people that were trained to look at these categories they coded these uh, writings into these categories. And then they essentially ran a very specific type of regression. And a regression is basically a statistical tool. There you have an outcome variable, in this case, like how they were doing after three months um, uh, of finishing up their chemotherapy and so on. And then they had a predictor variable, which is which of those conditions people are randomly assigned to. And just to kind of remind people, there was a fact-writing control group there was an emotional expression group, and then there was a benefit finding group. And then when they were to say, now that we know what people wrote about, we can look to see which one of those things of writing about, is it the self-expression one? Is it the discovery of meaning one? Or is it the cognitive processing one? Which one of those was like doing the magic? And so they were sort of like starting to unpack which is the magic. And if I had to just jump to the chase right now, because, you know, we're, we're getting kind of long on the show now. Um, self-affirmation by far was the strongest one. It, it dominated the other two. So essentially, um, writing about, I don't know if we like want to open this up a little bit or a lot, but, um, I have a sort of, I guess, a quote that I could could read here. So basically they, they, um, after controlling for state distress, so this is just like how people were feeling on the survey, they controlled that out of the equation and a bunch of other stuff. They controlled for that before each writing uh, session, self affirmation and the combined measure of cognitive processing and the discovery of meaning. Those both did something around distress after writing. Okay. So in this case, self-affirmation was as strong as both the other two when it came to distress. But when it came to actually predicting this sort of like health concerns, only self-affirmation pulled the weight. It, the, the fancy word for that is it mediated, it statistically significantly substantiated, um, substantially mediated the relationship between writing and your actual health. And the last thing that I wanted to put out here is that that is not because it affected the heart rate stuff. Because what they did is in the statistical regression, they specifically controlled out what they called heart rate habituation. And I don't 
exactly know what that is. I, I have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually don't really know what heart rate habituation is, but I know that like Packin said earlier, it has to do with measuring at the beginning, at measuring at the end and kind of looking at that. And the prior research, it showed that that was part of what mediated the effect. What's so exciting about this study to me is it shows that self-affirmation operates independently of how the heart is working. That there really is a different kind of non-physical magic that's happening here. Uh, I would call it like a psych- it's like a psychological pathway that leads to the effect in a way that complements the heart rate stuff, but doesn't, it's not redundant with the heart rate stuff. Is there anything else that you wanted to throw in there, Akin, about like what they found or anything that like surprised you or as we move toward like close, anything you'd kind of want to? Yeah, we, we do yeah. have to. Yeah, as we as we are touching down and this is just kind of like me loosely kind of stitching things together here. I believe the obsession with the the heart rate, I believe that this is kind of like somehow my 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 kind of intuition is telling me that this is highly linked to stress which has mm-hmm. been known mm-hmm. to be the, the, the silent killer. And, you know, stress is good in moments. Like if you have a moment where you need to be kind of like charged up and but spending long periods of time in states of stress. So I, I, my assumption here is that they were looking at the heart rate prior and then or the, look, something, looking at some stuff with the heart. And I believe that maybe they wanted to see if maybe the heart chilled out like did the heart just kind of like cool it after this kind of like self affirmation? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's was right. that I, then an I, indicator I, to then suggest yeah. that this was like producing lower levels of, of stress? Cause they did write a fair bit about stress in this study. Yep. And, and like I just said, like for a while now, stress has been known to be like the, the silent killer. Like we all got to chill out, man. We all got, yep. we all got to take some time to like pull out a deck chair, sit in the sun, read a good book, you know, like confront, confront the stuff that's going on in your life, like confront it head on. But you've also got to, you've also got to treat yourself well. Like you've got to make sure that your, you know, yes. your diet, your exercise, but your yeah. mind as well. Like yeah. you've got, you've got to take some time to just chill. Well, I, one of the things I really like about the study and I would like to close, this can be my last comment before we, I think that one of the ways that you can chill uh, or find a piece in that, I can say it that way, is this quote that by fulfilling the need to self-affirm, which is basically with protecting yourself. And I don't mean like your physical self. Self-affirmation is a way of protecting your self-integrity, like who you are. The Here's this quote, by fulfilling the need to protect your self-integrity in the face of threat, self-affirmation enables people to deal with the threat. So it's almost like it becomes a way to help your heart chill out. It becomes a way to deal with stressful life events in a way that's less defensive and more adaptive. And I think this goes the whole way back to the beginning when I kind of did that jokey thing about Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live. You know, that was a joke and people laughed at him and he even had a book and then he had a movie and all this stuff around him. And it was like a joke. (laughs) So he he did pretty well off of it. (laughs) It was he a joke, the but check out the this bank. book deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So um, where I just wanted to dismount as we go out of this thing is just to say that a lot of things that we laugh at, like self-affirmation, it turns out there's a really good science right underneath it. And as you start to unpeel that, there are very viable ways, like in this case, writing about your strengths, your values, and what matters to you is a way to 
activate that. And, uh, you know, again, as I can said, lead a better life. So I'm going to sign off with that one, Akin. Dope. So listeners, thank you once again for rocking with squeezing the orange. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. You, when you see us posting up on like, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, hit share. Like, you know, if, if you're enjoying this, then the chances are that the people that you know will enjoy it. And if the people that you know won't enjoy it, get new friends, man, because they're lames. So like uh, if you're on iTunes, uh, give us a five-star review. That would be handy to help promote the podcast as well. And ooh, what, else, what else do I usually say at the at the end? Like, oh, I, I, I don't know. I think you've yeah. done a good job there. I think we say thank you for yeah. listening. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Cheers and enjoy the rest of your lives. <laughs> I think you do say that too. I, I say that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.